Hey, we're in James. We're back. Great book on just wisdom. And we're going to get some wisdom today in the area of love. So turn to James chapter 2, and we're going to just study the first 13 verses. And it's, it's a great section of Scripture. Uh, I'm, I'm entitling it, Love for All People. And that's what God wants us to be as followers of Christ. He wants us to have a love for, you can underline, all people. Not just some people, all people. And we're going to see some things about God this morning that shows that God loves all people, and he wants us to love all people. He wants us to love all people, no matter what their race is, no matter what their gender is, no matter what their socioeconomic standing is, no matter whether they come from the north or the south, whether they're Yankees or Southerners. He wants us to love all people, whether they're Gamecock fans or Clemson fans. He wants us to love all people, whether they're like you or not like you. And we're going to see today the importance of not showing partiality. Now, interesting, theology. What's theology? Theology is the study of God. Theo is God. Ology is the study, the study of God. And as you study God, you'll, you'll see some very distinct things about who God is. God is a God of love. 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 7 and 8 says, God is love. The very essence of God is love. We also know God is holy. The angels are around the throne of God singing, declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We know God is eternal. He's always been and always will be. We know God is faithful. We know God is good. We know God is truth. We know God is holy. But also, we're going to see today, God is not partial. He doesn't show prejudice towards certain people or other people, and he wants us to be the same. That's Old Testament and New Testament. All throughout the Bible, we see there's no partiality with God. We see that, that God is, is a God who shows no partiality. Let me give you some scriptures. Deuteronomy 10, 17, Old Testament. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. Peter, after he had this vision from God of the curtain of unclean animals, and God says, don't declare, them, uh, uh, don't declare what God has cleansed as unholy. Talking about the Gentiles coming to the church, Peter said this, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. Galatians 3.28, Paul wrote this to the Galatians, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one. In Christ Jesus. Now, what does it mean that God doesn't show partiality? Partiality, interesting word. It means to judge something by face value, to judge something by outward appearances. And we know God doesn't judge by outward appearances. What does He judge by? He judges by the heart. And we should be doing the same thing. We shouldn't be judging people based on what they look like to us and accepting some people, not accepting other people. You know what? Um, it's interesting because. God does have favorites. Do you know that? We just read no, no partiality, but God does have favorites. You know who God's favorites are? Everybody. God's favorites is everybody. He loves all people. He has, I'm his favorite. You're his favorite. Every human being is his favorite. I know that from John 3.16. For God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but has everlasting life. Here's the bottom line. 
The ground is level at the foot of the cross. God loves rich people. God loves poor people. God loves black people. God loves white people. God loves Asian people. Uh, Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in God's sight. God loves all people. And amen, amen. And Ephesians 5 tells us that because we are followers of Christ, we're supposed to be imitators of God. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 tells us that. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us in offering a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You know, in my office I have a whiteboard. And on the whiteboard we have core values of Calvary Chapel Lexington. Some of those core values is preach the word. We're going to be people that... Preach the word verse by verse through the entire Bible. One of our one of our distinctives, one of our core values is we're gonna we're gonna teach God's word here at Calvary Chapel. Another one of our core values is we're gonna make disciples. We're not just about decisions, we're about disciples. Another one of our core values is we are gonna be people, what we're talking about today. We are gonna have a love right there on the board, one of the core values. We're gonna have a love for all, and I have it underlined, all people. We're not going to just love some people. We're going to love all people. And that's our heritage, by the way, of Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel started in 1965 with Pastor Chuck Smith. And one of the things that Pastor Chuck did was over a season of time, he went to the beach with his wife at lunchtime, and he prayed for these young people that had all kind of filtered through the country to Southern California. And they were called hippies. And it was an interesting time because all all these young people had kind of immigrated to Southern California. Many of them were runaways. Many of them had drug issues. Many of them were just lost. And Pastor Chuck and his wife for a whole season would sit with brown bag lunches and pray for these lost teenage hippies. And what's interesting about it is because at that time, the evangelical, especially the evangelical conservative church, wanted nothing to do with these hippies. Their hair was too long. Their music was too loud. They, their clothes were too weird. And the church pretty much rejected this whole young generation of hippies. And Pastor Chuck felt led by the Lord to love them and to accept them. And to, yes, set a standard, biblical standard for them, teach them the word of God, but accept them with their clothes, with their long hair, and even their music. He, he changed, and they started contemporary Christian music at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, to try to adapt to these young people that they were loving into the kingdom. You know what happened as these young people heard on, word got on the street? There's a church that will love you and accept you just the way you are, and you'll be welcomed there and accepted there. And the floodgates opened. Revival hit. It was the last great revival in our country, a Jesus people revival. And thousands and thousands and thousands of young people came to Christ because there was a church that would accept them just the way they were and love them into the kingdom. May we continue that tradition. When people come to our church, even if they're different than us, even if they're from another place, even if they're from another race, even if they're from another background, even if they don't look like us, let's show no partiality. Amen? Amen. So let's look at what, <laughs> let's look at what James, the Apostle James, the half-brother of Jesus, said about this. James chapter 2, verse 1. If you're there, beep your horn. All right, here we go. James 2, 1. My brethren... Do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. There it is right there. 
And it's interesting, before James is about to really let go and stick it to you, and point after point, you'll see, he'll say, my brethren, my brethren, I love you, but here's the truth. You know what? <clears throat> if someone really loves you, they're not going to just tell you what you want to hear. They're going to tell you what you need to hear. And that's what James does through this entire book, truth after truth, wisdom after wisdom. And he's telling him here, first of all, listen, church, Christians, don't have a faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ that shows personal favoritism. The word favoritism, again, is looking at someone and judging them based on their outward appearances, their face value. And so what we do is we go to back to who the way God is, and the way God is is he knows, shows no partiality, shows no favoritism. He loves all people equally. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and we're to be that way as imitators of God also. Show no personal favoritism. Now, he's going to give an illustration, verse 2. This is the illustration he uses of this. He says, For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes... And there is also a poor man in dirty clothes. Now, the word for fine clothes, fine apparel, it means rich, uh, prosperous. Actually, the King James Version uh, says fine uh, gay clothes. Now, that means a little bit different in our culture today, but it means wealthy clothes. And there also comes in a poor man in dirty clothes. The word dirty can be translated filthy, even stinky clothes. You pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes, and you say, sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil motives? You see the, what he starts out by saying here? Illustration. This wealthy person comes to church, and he says, oh, this guy can be a tither. Let's give him the VIP seat. Let's get him in the front row center. And then the person who's not wealthy with filthy, maybe even stinky clothes comes. Says, oh, you, you're in the back row. No, you're not only in the back row. You don't even have a seat. You sit by the footstool. Sit on the ground. And James says, if you treat people like that based on partiality like that, just because one's wealthy and one's poor, he says, you become judges and made distinctions that God is not happy about because God shows no partiality. Be careful with this. You know, people come to church, and I've noticed that when I first came to the South, we visited a couple of different churches. And I remember one of the first churches we visited was like, um, I didn't know this, but this is back 23 years ago, and it was a big, large Baptist church. And we went to, and I, I've got a Baptist background. I love the Baptist church. They're biblical. But we get to this church, and we had three little, or four little kids at the time, and Walmart clothes and jeans. And we, we're Calvary Chapel background, so we just wore casual clothes. And we get there, and everybody's got double-breasted suits on the guys. The women are just decked to the T. And we go, oh, boy, we didn't follow the dress code on this one. But we got to be careful judging people on outward appearances because God doesn't look at the outward appearances. God looks at the heart. I think of King David. Remember when King David was just a shepherd boy, and Samuel came? And Samuel came to the family because he was directed by God to anoint the next king of Israel. And he, he gets to this family, and there's all these brothers besides David. And the oldest brother comes in on the scene, and Samuel goes, this must be the guy. He's, he's handsome. He's tall. He's strong. He's, 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 he's got the outward appearances for a king. Remember God said to Samuel, he said, hey, hey, hey. He said this. He said, I'm not looking at outward appearances. I'm looking at the heart. And there's a young 
youngest boy here of the family. He was the young. He was the runt. He was, it was, it was David, and he was out with his sheep, and God knew his heart. He was a man after God's own heart. And so God said, that's the one. Not by his outward appearances, it's by his heart. Now, I'm going to give you three, reason why, three reasons why James says we shouldn't show partiality. We shouldn't be a respecter of persons just based on outward appearances. Go back to verse 5. It says, listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith? Heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him. But you dishonor the poor man. Is it not the rich who oppress you and personally drag you into court? Do they not blaspheme the fair name by which you've been called? Here's the first reason we're not to show partiality in regards to just outward appearances, whether it be uh, background, socioeconomic status, whether it be race, whether it be whatever. First reason is God doesn't show partiality and we're misrepresenting God when we treat one person better than the other person. Because it says, interesting here, if, there's, if God's going to have partiality towards anybody, it's going to be the poor. Because God oftentimes allows the poor to be rich in faith. And God oftentimes uses the poor, not the wealthy, to do things for his kingdom in this world. Interesting, it says here too, he's, he's trying to reason with these Christians that are showing partiality to the rich. He's saying, hey, isn't it the rich that are oppressing you guys? The rich in that culture, what they were doing was they were getting people indebted to them, and then they'd indenture them to the point they'd bring them to court and then put them into slavery because of their debt to them. And not only that, it says, and it's the rich that are sometimes blaspheming the name of God, the fair name of our God. I was thinking about this, and I, was, I remember years back I was watching a Dateline with Connie Chung, and she was interviewing the, a billionaire at the time. His name is Ted Turner, founder of CNN. And I'll never forget that discussion because she kind of asked uh, Ted Turner a loaded question. And she, I think she knew the answer of what, what Ted was going to say. She was fishing for it. And she said, Ted Turner, what do you think of Christianity? Ted Turner, the founder of CNN, said this. He said, I think it's a crock. And she kind of looked in a shocked way, and she said, why do you say that? He said, Ted Turner, blaspheming the name of God, and said this. He said, because I don't need anybody to die for me, talking about Jesus Christ. That's sad. That's blaspheming the fair name of our Savior. But you know what? Oftentimes, God uses the poor to be rich in faith. I remember going to my first mission trip in Haiti, Port-au-Prince, Haiti. It was the poorest country at the time in the Western Hemisphere. The average salary for a laborer in Haiti at the time, uh, this was the, like, probably the, the, the uh, early 80s, $100 a year. Can you imagine trying to live on $100 a year on a salary? And I'll never forget going to church that Sunday because we were walking up this, this mountainous hill, and we were all walking to church. And as the mission team, we were walking to church, we saw all these kids walking to church too, Haitian kids. And they had bloated stomachs because of starvation, and they had orange hair. And I asked one of the missionaries, why, why do these black kids have orange hair? Is this the latest thing in Haiti to, to, to dye your hair orange or something? Never forget the response of the missionary. He said, no, it's because of malnourishment. They don't have enough food, and their hair, because of the malnourishment, starts turning orange. Broke my heart. But I'll never forget these kids coming to church, poor, malnourished and they're walking the hill up to God's house and they're singing songs of praise to God amazing the just the joy and the smiling and the laughing and the worship 
from these kids who were poor, but they're rich in faith. And so we need to be a church that loves all people, no matter what, again, their gender, their status, their race. We're going to love all people equally because God loves all people equally. I, I heard a story this week about Gandhi. It amazed me because Gandhi was the leader of India, uh, one of the largest populated nations in our world today. And only China's got more people than India, over a billion people in India right now. And Gandhi was the, the nation's leader for, for years. And it was interesting because I was reading about Gandhi. He's, he's a Hindu or was a Hindu. And it says that Gandhi in his young adult years uh, was interested in Christianity. And what Gandhi did is he started reading the New Testament. And he started reading about Jesus, and he was just amazed at the teaching of Jesus to the point that he said one of his favorite things to read was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. And he was so amazed at Jesus' teaching that Gandhi, as a young man, decided, I'm going to investigate Christianity. I'm going to go to this Christian church in my city that I know about. And so he went to the church. And as he went to this church, this Christian church, he was met at the door by ushers. And because it was primarily a white wealthy church, the ushers said, you don't belong here. You're, 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 these, these aren't your people. You wouldn't fit here. You need, to go, you need to go worship somewhere with your own people. You know what Gandhi did after that? He rejected Christianity because he said that the caste system in the Hindu religion was the poor and the rich and everything else. And he said, if Christianity is like that, I'll just stay a Hindu. And then Gandhi wrote these words or said these words later. He said, hey, if it weren't for Christians... I'd probably be a Christian. And then he also said, I like Christ, but I don't like Christianity. Ooh, convicting. Church, Calvary Chapel, let that never be said of us. When people come to our door, no matter whether they look like us or not, whether they're from the same background like we have or not, whether they're the same race or not, whether they're poor or whether they're wealthy, whether they're, they're popular or they're not popular, whether they're successful or not successful, let's love them with no partiality. Let's accept them just the way they are. Amen. Amen. I love Billy Graham, and one of the things that Billy Graham always ended his crusades with, I, one of my regrets is I never got to go to a Billy Graham crusade live. I should have made the time to do that. But I watched it many times on TV, and he'd always end, end his crusades with that great hymn, Just As I Am. And the hymn emphasizes God loves us just the way we are. He loves us just the way we are, and we should love people just the way they are. So the first reason why we should show no partiality is because if we do show partiality, it, met, it misrepresents the God who we serve and love and have a relationship with. Go on now. It says in verse 8, If, however, you're fulfilling the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. Notice what, what loving your neighbor as yourself is called. It's called the royal law. Now, why is loving your neighbor as yourself a royal law? Three reasons. First, first reason is it's given to us by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that's Jesus Christ. And Jesus said this about the royal law. He said that a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, you also must love one another. And by this, all men will know you are my disciples, by your love for one another. 
So the reason why it's royal is because the, the person that gave it was the royal king, Jesus. But there's another reason why it's a royal law. It's because it's the king of all laws. Jesus said about loving, he said this, the greatest commandment, the king of all laws, is to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. This is the first and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right there. The king of all laws. But there's a third reason why it's the royal law. Third reason is because it's for the king's kids. We're royalty. If you've, if you've accepted Christ, you're a part of the chosen people of God. You're a joint heir with Christ. It says about you in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. That's, you're a royal king of the kid. And so live in that royalty and that nobility of loving all people. And again, isn't it the way that God loves us? I love Romans chapter uh, uh, 15. It says this, therefore, 15, 7, therefore accept one another just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. Accepting all people just as the way God accepts all people. That's the royal law of love. And we're the royal king's kids, so let's live in that. Now we'll close it up. Verse 9 says, But if you, Christians, show partiality, you're committing sin. You're convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he's become guilty of it all. For he has said, do not commit adultery, don't commit murder. Now if you do commit adultery but do, do not, or do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged by the law of liberty. I love this last verse. For judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy, but mercy, it triumphs over judgment. So we're not to show partiality. We're to love all people because if we do show partiality, it misrepresents our God who accepts and loves all people. Second reason we're to not show partiality because it goes against the royal law that we're to live by as the king's kids, and that's to love your neighbors yourself. Third reason we're not to show partiality towards people because if we do show partiality, we're going to give an account to a God of mercy, and we're going to have to try to give our account to why we were snobs, why we were partial, why we treated some people better than other people. And notice what it says there. We need to remember that God shows us mercy, and we need to live in that mercy because mercy triumphs over judgment. You know what Jesus said? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged. And if you're judging people, you're going to be judged by the same measure that you're judging other people by. Very important that we learn that we have, a, you have to give an account one day to a holy God that's been extremely merciful and gracious and accepting of us. And we're going to have to give an account if we live in snobbery or partiality and we treat some people better than other people. And we all fall into that trap sometimes. But you know what? The Spirit of Christ, I love Jesus. I always, ever since I've gotten saved, I just love studying about Jesus. I love learning about Jesus. I love following Jesus. And I love the Spirit of Jesus. And the more I learn about Jesus, the more I realize he loved all people. Look at his ministry. 
He loved Mary Magdalene, who was at one time possessed with seven demons. She was, a church tradition actually says possibly she could have been a prostitute. And Jesus loved her right into the kingdom and accepted her as one of his main disciples. And by the way, he showed up. The first person he did a post-resurrection appearance to was Mary Magdalene, who was coming to anoint his body after his burial. He loved her and accepted her for just the way she was. And he said, he said, hey, he who has been forgiven much loves much. And Mary Magdalene loved him so much because he accepted her just the way she was and changed her by the glory of God. I think of the way that he brought these disciples in. I think about Matthew, the tax collector. Jewish people hated tax collectors. They ostracized them because tax collectors were thieves and they ripped off their own people. And Jesus said to Matthew, come on, follow me, Matthew. And then he went to Matthew's house and had dinner with him and all his sinful friends and led many of them to the kingdom, I'm sure. Zacchaeus, another tax collector, little short guy, he had to climb up a tree to just see Jesus. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house tonight for dinner, even though you're a tax collector, and, and, and even though you have all, this, all these people that hate you, I want to go to your house for dinner tonight. Think of Simon the Zealot. These are all Jesus' disciples. I think of just all the people that Jesus just welcomed into the kingdom because he loved and accepted all people. You know what? I, I, I love our church, and one of the things I love about our church is we have our U-Turn for Christ program, and I love our U-Turn for Christ program. You know, we've had, we're, we're going on 20 years now with U-Turn for Christ. And one of the things I love about our amen, amen, 20 years, can you believe that? Hundreds of lives have been changed through U-Turn for Christ in the last 20 years. But one of the things I love about our U-Turn for Christ is, is our guys come, and they come from all different backgrounds. They come from all different states. They come from all kinds of problems, drug addictions, alcoholism, uh, just immorality. And they come into our church, and we love them. And we love them and accept them. And we don't put them in the back row on the floor. We give them the VIP seats on the front row. And as long as I'm the pastor here, those VIP seats go to the U-Turn for Christ. And one of the reasons why is because, I tell you what, I call our U-Turn guys our mighty men. They serve, they serve this church, man. And they are a blessing in this church. And they've, they've helped us do a lot of the ministry that we've done here at Calvary Chapel has been served well by our U-Turn for Christ guys. We thank you, U-Turn. Amen? We thank U-Turn for all they've done on this campus. It's been awesome. But I love our church, too, because we welcome U-Turn into our fellowship. They become a part of our family, and they become a part of brothers and sisters in Christ here at Calvary Chapel. And it keeps us honest as a church. Are we going to love people from all different problems, all different backgrounds, all different issues? And I say, yes, we are. Yes, we are. I was talking to Pastor Steve between services, and he was talking about the fact when he came here almost 20 years ago and how we gave him the, this whole ministry opportunity of being the pastor of U-Turn for Christ, he said it changed his life because this church trusted him and his leadership as the pastor of U-Turn for Christ. Changed his life. Let's keep doing that, church. Let's keep loving all people, accepting all people, and welcoming, welcoming them into the family of God, because that's the way God is. He loves all people. He has favorites, yes, everybody. And let's do the same. So what do we learn this morning? What do we learn about partiality? We learn, first of all, hey, if we're partial, 
and we're being snobs, and we're treating certain people better than other people, it misrepresents God, because that's not who God is. God accepts all people, no matter their background, no matter their, their economic standing, no matter whether they're popular or unpopular, no matter whether they're from this area or that area, no matter what. God loves and accepts all people, and if we don't do that, we're misrepresenting God. Second thing we learned this morning, it's a part of living the royal law of love. The royal law, the king of all laws. Love your neighbor as yourself. And it's a part of being a disciple of Christ is living in that royal law because we are royalty. We are nobility. We're part of the king's kids. And so we're to live by the royal law of loving everybody, your neighbors, yourself. And by the way, how do you like people to love you? How do you like people to accept you just the way you are? And so let's do that for others. It's a part of living in the royal law of love. Third thing we learned this morning is, hey, we need to show no partiality and love all people because one day we're going to give an account to a holy God for the way we treated people in this world. One day we're going to face an accounting saying, how'd you live and how'd you walk out this Christianity in your life? And we should be people of mercy and kindness because mercy triumphs over judgment and mercy is who God is. Kindness is who God is. Love is who God is. Grace is who God is. So church, let's be the church. Let's just not talk the talk. Let's walk the walk. Let's be people that are living this stuff out. Not just a hearer of God's word, but a doer of God's word. Let's pray.